afternoon, Rockport 970, WDYM 93.1 FM. Welcome to your afternoon. Happy to be with you. 701-293-9000, Email talk at WDAY.com. You can tweet me as well, at Rob Port. Nateel, how's it going? Pretty good, pretty good. There was a little bit of a weird audio thing there. Google Hangouts keeps doing this thing for, for listeners that don't know, because Rob is all the way out in Minot. Uh, Minot. All the way Minot. out in Minot. Minot, as Minot. the telemarketers like to pronounce it. Uh, we use a webcam so that Rob and I can actually see each other. And Google yeah. Hangouts keeps doing this thing where it's like flipping back and forth between two types of window view. And most of the time, I know how I, I can find where to mute Rob. In this instance, neither one of us had muted Rob and we yeah. got the feedback. So I muted myself. I got it. I appreciate that. <laughs> we also have an, we had an intern the last two days as well. Are we allowed to talk about the intern on air? I don't see why not. Yeah. We have, we have a Julie. intern with us. Julie's with us. Julie Hello, Julie. Up. Hello. <laughs> She's further away from the mic. It's hard. The mic doesn't stretch all the way over to her seat. Julie, Julie was not ready for on air. Don't worry, Ju- Julie. Later on, I'm gonna I'm gonna question you about Trump's trade policies. Okay, so we're gonna put you right on the spot. We're gonna want to know how you feel about it. You're a terrible person, Rob. Probably not. Uh, coming up at one o'clock, we're gonna talk with uh, Josh Dreyer. He's a spokesman for Legalize ND. They're the folks who are pushing a ballot measure to legalize recreational marijuana in the state of North Dakota. Uh, they announced last night they have 8,000 signatures. Um, the number of signatures they need is 13,452. So they're they're well over halfway there. Uh, they're doing pretty good. Um, but we'll talk with them about that, about you know what sort of arguments they're hearing for people. But they're doing well. I, I think that issue is going to be on the ballot. They have until July 9th to uh, submit their signatures. So uh, we'll talk with Josh, get an update about that. Rundown coming up here at 1.30. Uh, and I was going to talk about some other stuff, including uh, there was a survey of the attendees of the March for Our Lives uh, protest. Um, would you believe it, until if I told you that less than half of them were at the protest because of gun control? Uh, no, actually, I, I wouldn't necessarily be surprised. I would be more surprised if more than half of them were not attending the march for some sort of increased safety at schools. Yeah. Um, so I know it's just sort of interesting. I, I I think the public perception of the march is that it was a pro gun control march. Um, survey telling some other things. I want to talk about that. Also want to talk about some comments from the president of Bismarck State College. Did you see this detail? That one I'm not familiar with. What is the so, president of Bismarck State College got to say? Okay, so Bismarck State College apparently is uh, they they want a contract. They're still negotiating it, but they want a contract with um a Saudi Arabian institute. Uh, it's called the National Power Academy, and it's it's basically it's focused on the energy industry, in um, focused on the energy industry in Saudi Arabia, and obviously North Dakota institutions have some expertise in that realm because the energy industry is pretty pop, pretty important to us. Uh, but State Representative Marvin Nelson, a Democrat, pointing out that this academy is a men's only academy does not afford opportunities to women now of course saudi arabia is a place that well their track record when it comes to women's rights is not very good um women just what was it last year just got the ability to drive yes that's right i think they've only had some not even not even i think universal suffrage but just some voting rights in like municipal elections 
since 2015. Yeah, basically, uh, even, basically it's coming along, but very slowly. Even even to this day, and they're improving. I mean, I, I don't want to, I want to give them credit for improving, but to this day, women in Saudi Arabia are considered to have legal guardians, which are their husbands and or fathers or brothers, basically the men in their lives, who are their legal guardians, who make determinations about, like, their health care, where they can travel, whether or not they can work. Um you have to wonder how good voting rights are when your society is basically set up where you're voting for whoever your husband told you to vote for, right? I mean, but they're making progress. But Representative Nelson says, you know, basically, why are we, why are we, why are we doing business with Saudi Arabia? Uh, and this came up at the the State Board of Higher Education meeting in Mayville yesterday, and you know, I, first of all, I think Representative Nelson has a point. I will say, North Dakota does have some. You know, one gender only schools. As a matter of fact, there are 37 institutions of higher education in the United States that operate as female only schools. Uh, there are three that are that are male only. Um, are but they that's public also, or private institutions? Do you know? Why well, I, I think they're private, but they do get they do get like federal, like you can get like Wesleyan, for instance, very famous, uh, or Bryn Mawr, very famous female only schools. Um, you could get like federal loans and stuff to go okay. there. So they are private, but the government sanctions it in that way insofar as you can get grants and, and federally backed student loans and whatever to, to attend those universities. Same for there are three male uh, universities, uh, one of which is uh, I think it's Howard in uh, Howard University, which which uh, traditionally serves African-American men. Um but anyway, I mean, it's not unusual. But also, those institutions exist within the context of uh, certainly America's track record on, 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 you know, rights for women is not perfect. Um, but today, it's it's a heck of a lot better than Saudi Arabia. So, I don't know. I would need to learn more about this. But this was the response from from Skogan when when questioned about whether or not the state of North Dakota should be in business with, you know, an institution that is is male only in a country that has a, a pretty horrendous track record on female rights. This is what he said. Uh, he said the segregation of sexes is the norm in Saudi Arabia. He said we're responding to their social and religious mores. Uh, he added later, I don't think I can go into a foreign country and impose my mores against them. I said mores. I meant mores. Um, I don't know. I hear that. Like, okay, yeah, no, we probably can't as America just impose our point of view on women on Saudi Arabia, that doesn't mean we have to, like, endorse it. That doesn't mean we have to do business with their school. But anyway, I thought that was pretty flabbergasting. The The thing that was really interesting, and it happened just before the show, uh, Senator Heitkamp was giving yet another interview. We'll talk about the rest of that later. Uh, Senator Heitkamp was, was giving uh, yet another interview to her brother, um, which she does on the regular, you know, sort of a nepotistic thing. Uh, she referred to me as a snowflake, Nitil. This guess, amuses me a lot. I guess her brother was was going off about this guy that Forum Communications hired that blogs from his mom's basement, which, by the way, is fake news. My mother doesn't even have a basement. <laughs> not to mention, I, you know, I see, one, you're not blogging from a basement because I see the room in which you do your work, and there's a very lovely yeah. window behind you. There's a window. Which I keep closed most of the time, just because the sun shines in on my computer screen. But the window, but yeah. the window exists. I am above ground <laughs> and not in my mother's basement, for, for one thing. The other thing is Senator Heitkamp calling me a snowflake. 
what's what's remarkable with this and, and, and listen i am glad to have finally elicited a response from the senator because i i have for years tried to been in touch with their staff i send them requests for comment i send them requests for interviews i send them requests for information heck i've asked them just to put me on their press release list like just send me your press releases Via email, like you do for everybody else in the state. They won't respond to me at all, right? For years I've been trying to do that. I have taken this year to emailing Senator Heitkamp every Monday morning. I email her press office saying, uh, I broadcast from 12 to 2 on this little radio station you may have heard of, 970 WDAY. And uh, I'd be happy to have you on. All of my time slots are open. Even if I've already booked somebody, I will move them, Senator, if you'd like to come on. Every Monday I send that email, no response at all. Now the senator is calling me a snowflake. Oh, that port. Oh, he's just a snow. So I guess, and I don't listen to her brother's radio show. I haven't listened in years. Um, I'm not sure I've listened to probably more than 15 minutes of it cumulatively since the far more talented Ed Schultz uh, departed that show. Um, I'm just not real interested in Joel Heitkamp getting upset because other people in the world are smarter than he is and then he just rants about it for however many hours he's on a day i don't find that very interesting or illuminating i don't think that there's a lot of news worthy stuff happening there so i just don't listen but for her to i I, so i guess her brother was like well port's just in his basement all day just criticizing you and she's like yeah port's the snowflake well i'll tell you what senator anytime you want to come on the show you're welcome as you know, since I inter- email you the invitation every week. We'll keep talking about it. 701-293-9000, Email talk at WDAY.com. We'll be right back. Uh, Jay Thomas, live on location. We'll get an update from him. We'll be right back. Don't go away. Port 970 WDY AM 93.1 FM. So Senator Heitkamp thinks I'm a uh, I'm a snowflake. What do you think, Natil? You work with me every day. Am I a snowflake? Just can't hack it. I hate that term. Just in general, I don't really refer to anyone as a snowflake. No, that's not true. I have I have met people in my life whom I have actually called a snowflake, and you are not one of those people. I tend to think of the snowflake type people as people that go out of their way to feel offended about something or people yeah. that go out of their way to try to make themselves as different as possible so that there's a possibility that they might be able to be offended about something. People, yeah, people, people who go looking for, for offense. Yes, and I don't think you're one of those people. I don't even really like making it. I mean, this whole thing with Senator Heitkamp, and I understand what they're doing. They're, they're trying to elevate me as a source of a lot of criticism. I am outspoken. I am an outspoken critic of Senator Heidi Heitkamp. I'm not going to hide it. I'm not going to pretend like it's anything other than it is. Mike McFeely, who's on right before this program, is an outspoken critic of Kevin Kramer. 
We got different points of view on that, and that's fine, and we're both presenting those points of view, and it is what it is. I am a critic of Senator Heidi Heitkamp. Now, I think I'm a very effective critic of Senator Heitkamp because what they're having to do in order to try and, and um, I guess, isolate me or, or muddy the waters around my criticism is they've come out with this new talking point, and you hear it from a lot of Heitkamp's allies, that I'm obsessed with Heidi Heitkamp. Uh, and all you ever do is just write about Heidi Heitkamp. Oh, oh, oh. And now it's this new thing that, that I guess I'm a, I'm a snowflake. And, and the interesting thing to me, though, is that the senator's finally responding. Like, like at this point, the senator has to is, is having to engage. And, and honestly, I, I feel like if I could force that to happen, because I think all of our public officials should have to engage with all of their critics, right, with everybody in the media. I think we should all get equal access. They're public servants, right? I mean, Senator Heitkamp has raised millions of dollars in order to hold the office that she holds. She's raised million more for this election cycle so that she can maybe continue to hold it depending on the outcome in November, right? I mean, she holds this office. The intent is that she serves the public, and one of the ways she could serve the public is by engaging with people who are critical of her. I don't think she's a very good senator. I don't think she's particularly effective. I think the one thing she's really good at is managing the media, right? I mean, she's she's great at it. She's great at promoting a certain look, but is she governing? Is she... Is she achieving the priorities that that most North Dakotans want? I don't think so. I think Senator Heitkamp is is entirely a construct of perception. She has to be perceived a certain way in order to win. Um, And it's all just perception. The reality is something else. I mean, even, even the way she casts votes is all about promoting a certain perception. I don't think there's any authenticity there at all, and I think that's unfortunate. Now, other people may disagree with me, and that's fine. But I think the senator should have to respond to that, much as Congressman Kramer regularly responds to his critics. Now, another one who also gets criticism for sort of flying under the radar is John Hoven. Now, I've never had a problem booking Senator Hoven on this program. I've never had a problem accessing his office to get on the uh, information. Maybe others have. I don't know. I'm not them. Uh, but if Senator Hoven's been avoiding critics or whatever, then he deserves criticism as well. I'm just I'm just laughing at at that 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 Senator I can't you know what I really think it indicates the deal? I think the senator is worried. I think she's scared about this election campaign to the point where she feels like she has to respond to me. She and her brother. Because it's it's not an accident that she goes on her brother's radio show and her brother just happens to to ask that question. Her brother just happens to bring that up. It's calculated. Those things are scripted. You can't tell me that's anything more than propaganda. You don't you don't set that up without it being a propaganda show. Uh, and I, I think right now, and also judging, by the way, earlier this week, uh, you know, the, the senator's communications director for her campaign, a veteran, by the way, of Media Matters for America and other David Brock-aligned organizations, was accusing me of being a tool of the Koch brothers. Which, by the way, if I made as much money as people think I have from the Koch brothers... I'd be a rich man, Natil. I'd be I'd be flying around on my private jet. Mm, private jets. I wish the Koch brothers paid me as much as everybody 
thinks that they've paid me over the years. I haven't received any money ever from the Koch brothers. I have no idea. I've worked for some organizations that took donations from people, and those donations were private. I don't know who was donating to them. No idea. Neither do you. But now I've got Senator Heitkamp's communications director attacking me on Twitter. I've got the senator herself calling me a snowflake on her brother's radio show. And what I'm gathering from that is they're worried. They're worried. If they were confident in re-election, they'd just let me talk on the show and let me write what I'm going to write, and they'd ignore me. But they can't ignore me because I think they're in trouble. 701-293-9000, Email talk at WDAY.com. Don't go away. Welcome back, Rob Port 970, WDY AM 93.1 FM, 701-293-9000, 888-970-9329, email talk at WDY.com. What are we doing with the bump music right now? I lost the tab and had your music on it. Like, as the last commercial. I don't mind this. I like little Bruno Mars. It was like down to the last two seconds, and then I hit the X instead of hitting the tab, and I was like, no! I like Bruno Mars. It's a little bit of a departure. Normally, I'm kind of a Merle Haggard, George Jones kind of guy, but... (laughs) Bruno Mars is good, too. <laughs> oh, oh, that was a disaster. Ah, it wasn't that bad. Uh, I was a little curious. Like, is this, a, is this another ad? No, nah, it, could, it could have been worse. The other <laughs> the other one that still exists on my hot bar is a Coldplay song, so uh, it could have been worse. Uh, got some responses. Talking about the Senator Heitkamp went on her brother's show today, which, which she always does. That's where, you know, she's not getting any tough questions on that show. Let's put it that way. Um, and she likes to avoid her, uh, and she called me a snowflake. I guess that's the point. And I, listen, I don't really want to make this about a feud between myself and Senator Heitkamp. I wish she'd just come on the show. I wish she'd just respond when I, send me your press releases. When I ask for information, just respond to me. I'm a critic, sure. I get it. But you know what? The expectation for our public servants should be that you have to engage with the critics too. You're my senator too. You're my, you're the, the senator for my audience as well. Not just your brother, not just your brother's audience, not just left-wing talk radio hosts. Republicans too. You represent all of us. Got some emails coming in. Um, emailer says she is a snowflake when it comes to her support of the gun owners and CCW holders of North Dakota. Uh, another emailer says uh, I myself am looking forward to a year from now when you have Senator Kramer on and are able to ask hard questions and get honest answers. Now listen, Congressman Kramer comes on this show every week. We made that available for him. Uh, it's a town hall. I'd be happy to have Senator Heitkamp on every week as well. Do the same thing. I'll ask questions. We'll open up the phones. Listeners can call in and ask questions. That's all I'm asking. It's just that level of accessibility. Why can't she be accessible? Got some responses on uh, Twitter as well. Uh, let's see. Uh, Twitter asks, I wonder if she'll retor- uh, enjoy retirement. Uh, another Twitter follower says, sounds like she nailed this one, Rob. I guess saying that that maybe she she's right, Natil, that I really am a snowflake. That seems to be what that particular tweet is implying. I guess. Uh, another emailer says, there is a term for this. It's called projection. 
Uh, poor Heidi. She is between a Pelosi and a Feinstein. Uh, another tweeter, a tweeting at Senator Heitkamp. She was, when are you actually going to come on to a radio show that does more than lob you softball questions? Rob Port has offered you time on his show. You want my vote. You need to start answering some tough questions. You know, that's really what this is what, what it's about at the end of the day for me, Natil. It's just be willing to put yourself in a situation that's not scripted with somebody who's a, who's a critic. That's it. Well, and I don't think it's any secret that I, in general, probably align more with Senator Heitkamp's views sure. on the world than Senator Hoban's views on the world. Yeah. But I, I wish she would come on this show because I think she does, for her constituents, have some tough questions to answer. And I think what would behoove her more than anything is answering those questions. Everybody might not like the answers that she has to give, but I think that answering the questions is probably what's going to be best for her in in the long run here, especially in a campaign against someone who has proven to be very accessible to pretty much everybody across the state. Well, let me I mean, let me put it this way. And I'm I mean, I'm I'm just going to call a spade a spade. Uh it's not bad for me. Like, it's not bad for business for me to have the United States senator for North Dakota calling me a snowflake, right? I mean, she's punching down at me. That's not bad for me. That's just the way it is. I, I'll be honest about it. I don't mind at all. Doesn't bother me a bit. I hope she keeps talking about me. Is this one that's, of those in radio, all publicity is good publicity type things? Yeah, that's not bad for me at all. That's great. If she If she's going to see me as the enemy... Uh, that's not bad for business for me. I'd rather just talk to her. I'd rather just get her on the program, but fine. She wants to do that. It, it, it don't hurt me. If anything, it helps. And for her, what a stupid thing to do, politically speaking. Right now, I'm loath to give Senator Heitkamp advice because I think my feelings about her continued presence in the United States Senate are pretty clear. What a stupid thing to do. Like, oh, I'm going to, I'm going to, not only am I going to ignore, and it's not just me, by the way, I, I think I'm probably the person she hates the most in North Dakota media, but there's other talk radio hosts that have a tough time getting her on. We have a conservative television host in this market who has a tough time getting her on. There's no question about that. I'm not the only one. And what a stupid thing for her to do to call attention to that. It's just going to become blindingly obvious. She's up against, love Kevin Kramer or hate him, is pretty universally acknowledged to be willing to go on with even his sharpest critics. He'll do the interviews. He'll go on. He'll go on the radio show. He'll do it. He's in the arena. And so now Senator Heikamp's going to call attention to the fact that she's extremely thin-skinned and does not at, at all like to engage with her critics. I mean, this is the situation that she's setting up for herself. She is campaigning for re-election in a state dominated by Republicans. Right? I mean, she won election in 2012 by a, an exceedingly narrow margin. She's now up for re-election. She's got a tough challenger. And she wants to win uh, while, I, I guess, getting into a feud with a conservative commentator. Right? I mean, her. she's got her communications director for her campaigns out attacking me on Twitter. Oh, the Koch brothers. And now she herself's calling me a snowflake. Well, okay, Senator, keep it up. See what that gets you. And I hate to say it, until because this is this is bad. This, this It's not good for me. It's not good for me. It's great for me when people talk about me. It's not good for me when people ignore me. The smart thing for her to do, if she's not, the smartest thing for her to do would be to just come on the show. Just do the interview. 
Just be open. Do the interview. I'll ask some tough questions. She'll have some responses. I'll probably still be critical of her. But we can all move on with our lives. That would be the smartest thing to do. But if she's going to ignore me, then just ignore me. Don't go on your brother's sad sack radio show and start lobbing bombs at me. God, what? What? It's, she's smarter than this. I'm. I'm just in shock. This is stupid. She. She is one of the most astute politicians I think the state's ever seen, and I can't believe she is fumbling like this. <laughs> what? A, what? A I don't know who she's getting advice from these days. I don't know who. What consultant she's hired? She's raised. I don't know how many millions of dollars. More than 90% of which is from out of state. So I don't know which high-profile consultants or whatever she's hiring. Her communications director is from Media Matters for America. That resume item goes over like a lead balloon in this state. But that's where she's at. That's what she's doing. This is this is her, her great political stratagem is we're going we're gonna to lob bombs at Rob Port. Yeah. Good, good luck, Senator. You're smarter than that. Just come on the show. God. All right. Uh, Jay Thomas live on location at uh, Speakeasies. We'll get an update from him. We'll be right back. This is Rob Report 970 WDAY AM 93.1 FM. Don't go away. Listener on Twitter says of Heidi Heitkamp, staying in the safe place, excuse me, staying in the safe space of her brother's show is the definition of snowflake. I I didn't, I honestly didn't intend to spend this entire hour to talk about the the senator calling me a snowflake. That wasn't. That wasn't your intention? No, I was going to talk about other things, but I guess we kind of got derailed by it. Uh, A little bit. You got derailed. (laughs) Nobody else got derailed. You did. I think it's funny. (laughs) I just delighted by it. Uh, 701-293-9000, 888-970-9329. Email talk at WDA.com. Next hour, we're going to be talking with Josh Dreyer from Legalize ND about their uh, ongoing efforts to uh, pass a ballot measure to legalize recreational marijuana. Uh, they say they're they're more than halfway there with their signatures. So we'll get an update with them uh, about that. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't know. I, I'm just surprised by it, I think, more than anything else, Satil. It's a dumb move for a politician, Mike like her why Why would she do that that's not going to help her attacking me attacking me does not help senator heitkamp get reelected at all no but she as you as you yourself have said she's a very good campaigner and i yeah. got to imagine that there's she's not the kind of person to she's not the kind of politician to do or say anything that doesn't have some sort of calculation to it i don't know what this particular calculation is i don't know if it's going to work out the way she wants it to so is this like the donald trump thing where we're just we're just like trying to like she does something like does something kind of like throws a bomb like this that we're all kind of like is he playing three-dimensional chess or was that just dumb well you know north dakotans have shown that they are much more interested in politicians that quote unquote speak their mind Maybe maybe that's what she's going to do. She's going to emulate Trump, uh, and she's going to come after me like Trump goes after people. Maybe that's her thing, right? I don't think that's a winning strategy for a Democrat in trying to, to win. It's one thing 
uh, for Trump as a Republican to do that in North Dakota. I think it's another thing for a Democratic senator hoping to get reelected to try to do that. Especially, I mean, how much time she spends like, like, oh, I'm in the middle. I'm a moderate. <laughs> this is a little out of character for her. It is. It is uh, rather out of character. And it's just it's just such a dumb thing. I, I mean, to continue to show her brother favoritism and going on that show over and over again while while refusing uh, or or inhibiting, you know, the access of other media to her is, is going to be a problem for her in the campaign. And by the way, her brother during the two. You remember this, Natia? Were you around for the 2012 uh, election? You remember this? I mean, I was. I, I Yes. And I was actually voting in that election. You, do you remember? Do you remember uh, her brother? Went after Rick Berg for not coming on his show. I do remember that. I do recall steady, that. Steady drumbeat. And I, I think it hurt Rick Berg. I think it hurt Rick Berg that he would not go on on Joel Heitkamp's radio show. That hurt him. That made him look thin-skinned. It made him look like he was hiding something. Right? I think that contributed to the fact that Rick Berg lost that election. He should have just gone on the show. So why on earth would Heidi Heitkamp make the same mistake? She ought to know better. She ought to know better. Uh, let's see. Uh, Mark emails, hey, Rob, move on. Medical marijuana has nothing to do uh, with medical, has nothing to do with drug control. Uh, it has to do with tax revenue for the state. This isn't about, we already legalized medical marijuana. That's in the process of being implemented. In fact, what was the last update? You follow that closer than I do. What was the last update? The- that it's still being slow and mired and Blarky. Well, they're they're taking applications on it. They're getting there. Well, yeah, and I I know that one of the locations that was attempting to actually start start that process, the application process, was being inhibited by the sheriff's office in that area. They were trying yeah. to stop that from from being something that would go through. So, so that's the other thing is is even once you're done with the state level, you're still going to have zoning issues and everything at the local level which are going to be problematic, whether you're talking about, like, grow operations or... Which is I, stupid. Other states have implemented this. It's working well, for other states. This is medicine that people need, and we're just the will of the people in our feet. It's it's NIMBY stuff. And I, I mean, it's really not all that different from, like, uh, you know, trying to build the oil refineries. It's just NIMBY stuff. The will of the people seems pretty clear. They ought to just clear the way i hope the recreational marijuana measure but that's what we're talking about next josh dreyer from legalize nd they say they're more than halfway there uh to legalize recreational marijuana in north dakota i hope it passes we'll talk with josh get an update about that hour two of the rob report straight ahead don't go away I am 93.1 FM, 701-293-9000, email, talk at WDAY.com. All right, I'm, I'm done talking about the Heidi Heitkamp thing. I think it's hilarious, but uh, I did, I, this email, Angie, you emailed in. I can't tell if you're being sarcastic or not. She says, uh, is Rob Port obsessed with Heidi or what? 
holy. Uh, which, which again is the talking point that Heidi lovers are, are putting out there. Oh, Port's obsessed with Heidi Heitkamp. How dare. Because all the people who criticize Kevin Kramer, John Holman, and Republicans, and Donald Trump, they're not obsessed. But I'm obsessed because I'm criticizing Heidi Heitkamp. How dare I? I don't know. People uh, say that McFeely's a little obsessed with Trump, so you're not the only one that gets it. What, oh, I get it. McFeely doesn't like Trump. He can criticize him all he wants. I don't care. Good for Mike. Mike's a great Mike's a great talk show host. I don't agree with him on anything. He does a very good job. I think he's very interesting. Um, you know, and he talks about Donald Trump. I think that's usually interesting, or, or at the very least entertaining to hear. Uh, good for him. I happen to not like Heidi Heitkamp that much, so you're going to hear it from me. Angie, I'm, so, I'm sorry, Angie. I can't tell if you're being uh, uh, sarcastic or, or if you really think I'm obsessed. I don't know. Thanks for the email, though, and thanks for listening. Uh, all right, let's switch gears. We're going to talk with Josh Dreyer. Josh is a spokesman for uh, Legalize ND. They're the group that is uh, pushing the ballot measure to legalize recreational marijuana. Josh, thanks for your time today. Thank you. So you guys sent out a uh, release last night uh, saying you, you hit a hit a pretty big milestone uh, in terms of collecting signatures. Where are you guys at? What's the latest? Well, we're a little over 8,000 signatures, which... Of course, uh, some could can, could consider uh, halfway. Uh, we're going to try to get as many as possible. I mean, I would love to see about 20,000, to be honest with you. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you get yep. that many. A, it makes a statement. B, uh, any any initiated measure campaign, and certainly as we've seen in the past, you know, you could usually count on, on some percentage of your signatures being lost because, you know, maybe somebody made a mistake with the petition or they're illegible or whatever. I mean, that's just no, no I mean, it's it's no knock on you. It's just when you're collecting that many signatures, uh, inevitably, you're going to get some attrition when when they're going through getting reviewed. So you're going to want to get as many as you can. You're at 8000. Now, does that mean they're all turned in to like your central committee or is that just reports from your collectors or, or tell us a little bit more about how you how you got to that number? OK, so we had several team leaders, I guess you could call them, uh, for different regions. And we don't count the signatures until they are turned in to us. So that we've had 8,000 right. turned in to us. So that's a pretty and, solid and, number, then. Yeah. So that's a pretty yes, solid, a number, solid number you've got. And, uh, and, and the total you need is, what, 13,452? Something like that, yeah. I believe that's the exact number. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That is the exact but, uh, but like you reading. said, uh, a lot of signatures will get thrown out. Uh, it, it's not political. It's just it, it's either due to, like you said, illegibility or someone maybe signed twice. Yeah. Um, it, or, or maybe so, so, sometimes. The one thing I'm proud of, though, is that yeah. we've gotten this far over the winter month. Usually you don't get that many signatures over the winter. Well, that was the point I was going to make. I was actually kind of impressed because I, I did the math. Uh, your measure was approved for circulation on December 15th, so not long before the holidays. Uh, and then you've averaged since then 77 signatures collected per day for 103 days. Now, as it happens, I don't know if you timed this, but uh, you're at exactly the midpoint from when your ballot measure was approved for circulation and the day at which your signatures are due. You've had 103 days so far at which you've collected 77 signatures a day. You still have, as of yesterday anyway, 103 days left. And I imagine your your rate of signature collection is going to go up. Uh, if you guys keep your, your efforts at about where they are, you're going to get more because there's more opportunities. The weather's going to get nice. There's more people outside. There's more events going on. 
you're going to have more opportunities. So you should actually see this accelerate. Yes, and I expect it to. Um, the bulk of our signatures right now are collected by businesses that have signed on board to host our petition. And that gives everyone a nice warm place to go and sign. But I expect once we can actually hit the streets, it's, I think we're going to do a lot better than what we've been averaging. For sure. And I don't think that's too far off to assume. Yeah, for sure. 701-293-9000-888-970-9329. Email talk at WDAY.com. Now, what sort of things are you hearing from people as they're signing this? I mean, that, that was always the interesting thing to me is, is in, in years past, and I'm, I'm kind of an outspoken critic of the initiated measure process in general. I support your measure because I think it's I think it's good policy. But generally, I, I would prefer this stuff come through the legislature. That aside, uh, I did at one time collect signatures for uh, initiated measures. And to me, what's always interesting was to hear how people reacted to it, and the arguments they were making for and against. What sort of things are you guys hearing as you collect these signatures? Well, when we started, the biggest hang-up for everyone was the expungement. But I think we've done a fairly good job at explaining that process. Once people actually figured out what expungement is and does, they got behind it. Um, one of the one of the most confusing things and misconceptions was like, oh, we're creating this whole new expungement process. And no, we, we have expungement in the Century Code. Uh, so the process for expungement has already been done by the legislative body. All we're doing is just you know, activating an automatic trigger, uh, sorry, trigger. And we found that it's going to be very, very cost-effective to do this. Yeah. Uh, now, have you got, when you say we found it cost-effective, have you spoken to officials? Have you spoken to authorities about what that process is going to be like? Well, n- not in the state. I've spoken with officials from out of state that kind of do the same thing. Um, I've spoken with a couple universities as well. It really comes down to just making a simple coding modification. You could even do this entire process on an app, which isn't going to be that that expensive. Interesting. I, I, it'd be interesting to hear from the actual officials implementing it, though, in the state. I, I don't know. and Maybe right. I'll look at getting some of those people uh, on the program. Well, I think we're now, a little too far from that to get you know to get those conversations out. Yeah, that's right that's now, true. You're not trying to rally support. <laughs> You're you're not qualified for the ballot yet. Now, now, people, obviously, the expungement thing because this isn't just a legalization of recreational marijuana. It also goes back and expunges uh, from from criminal. Now, now, it doesn't excuse from any punishments. You're not we're not letting anybody out of jail or, or letting anybody get away with not paying their fines or restitution or whatever it is. Um, right. But if if they if they were convicted of something that would be legal under this measure, it goes back and it clears that it expunges that from their record. Um, and so that's right. another part so of it. it. Gives, it gives people, you know, say you commit a crime, you go to court. Instead of the prosecutor reading a laundry list of marijuana charges, you're treated like an average person. Like, you know, okay, you committed a crime that is le- illegal, and you'll be judged accordingly. Uh, another thing is that it helps people get uh, get employment. I mean, some of these drug charges were felony drug charges, and it's really hard to get jobs when you have a felony. Have you spoken at all? Because right in, in the last segment, we, we talked a little bit about what has been a, a lengthy process to implement the medical marijuana ballot measure. Now, some people have been critical of that. Um, I'm not as critical because, listen, it's it's tough. It's a complicated piece of policy. And also state officials are trying to do it uh, under the, the eyes of the federal government, which from administration to administration hasn't 
changing view of, of marijuana. The Obama administration was very friendly towards state-level legalizations. Um, the Trump administration, although I, I don't know that they've taken a specific overt action, has signaled that they are less friendly. Um, well, you know, so the, it's, the one it's, thing, if you notice, when, when, when uh, Donald Trump was campaigning, he, he, kinda, he did stand uh, for the, the state's rights on the agenda. And he wasn't really attacking. It's more marijuana. his attorney general. It's more his attorney yeah, general. It's, as Jeff says. It's the attorney general. Yeah, I, I yeah. have a feeling that the guy's kind of gone rogue. I'm not sure if President Trump even appreciates Jeff Sessions right now. Yeah, uh, judging from his Twitter account, maybe not so much. Seven zero one two nine three nine thousand eight 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 nine seven zero nine three two nine. Email talk at wday dot com. Now, Josh, have you heard? Have you heard anything? And the reason I brought that up is. You know, we, we voters already cast their ballots to legalize medical marijuana. Have you heard anything if, if your ballot measure and again, you're not on the ballot yet, but it sure sounds likely that you're going to be there. If your measure passes in November, have you spoken with any state officials about what that might mean for the medical marijuana legalization? I mean, at that point, do they just sort of roll up the carpets on that? And or, or what happens with 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 medical marijuana? Well, the thing is, it's medical marijuana is still going to be necessary. The, the biggest thing is getting the best quality product to the patients that need a certain type. And, you know, the, our state government is going to do a much better job at regulating that kind of thing. Um, but are they still, I mean, are yeah, we still going I, to need all the, all the stuff with the dispensaries and, and where you're allowed to grow it? I mean, you basically just make all that stuff legal. Do we still need the government to step in and regulate all that if, if it's just if recreate if, if it's just free for any use? Well, uh, me personally, I don't think so. But but I kind of know how the process works, and like you said, it's a lot of this is to appease the federal government. So I think it's a good good idea if they move forward trying to get it set up. Another big one is medical insurance. I mean, under our bill, the medical your medical insurance wouldn't pay. For your medicine under the medical bill, they could. So I, I don't think this is. I don't think okay. our bill should overwrite the medical bill or or, or completely just disembow it. But the one thing our bill is is a loophole. The one. So if you're sick and you're taking medicine from whatever source, you won't be arrested for taking it. I would yeah. still tell those patients to go through the medical process once they're able to do so. Gotcha. Mostly All for right. insurance purposes. What and about to make the, sure what they're getting is exactly what they need. What about the question of and and I, I think we're we're going to have this problem with the the medical marijuana measure. But you know we we have a situation where um, okay it's it's legal, but now we still have like zero tolerance policies from a lot of employers, including the state government. Um, you know the, the or and or even our local governments. There is a zero tolerance policies if you're if you're caught. Um, you know, having used and, and it's complicated with marijuana because you can still detect that somebody has used marijuana well outside of the in the window of when they might be inebriated by marijuana. I, I think we can all agree: it, don't get stoned yeah, and go to work. That, that's a that's a terrible idea. Much like don't get drunk and go to work. You shouldn't be inebriated <laughs> while you're at work. Um, but what are we what are we going to do with with people? I mean, your employer can detect that you were using marijuana when you weren't working. Uh, and they have a zero tolerance policy. How are we going to handle that? Well, there are um, there are institutes that are coming up with new testing uh, measure or new testing or new ways of testing. The thing is, is this has never been 
uh, a problem that needed to be solved until now. And someone's going to solve the problem. And I, and I have a few sources, which I, I can't, I, I don't know off the top of my head now, but I would, wouldn't mind sending you those links after the show of successful um, nuke tests that can actually determine whether or not you're high or it's something lingering. Now, for the federal go- or for the government to decide if they're going to abandon their zero tolerance, that's going to be left up for a lot of debate on House floors and stuff like that. But now, as far as companies go, I believe that the companies should be able to do whatever they want. If the companies want to stick with what they have, then that's that's their right to do so. Some companies may adjust; they might invest uh, in testing this new way. Maybe once the new testing is completed, all the companies will switch over. But until then, it's it's private business. They have a freedom right. to do whatever they want. We got to wrap up, Josh. But people interested in learning more about your ballot measure, maybe even volunteering, where where do they go to find info? Oh, LegalizeND.com or check us out on Facebook. Just search LegalizeND. Josh, thanks for the time. Thanks for having me. That's Josh Dreyer from well. Legalize ND. I'll be right back after this. Don't go away. Port 970 WDYM 93.1 FM 701-293-9000 888-970-9329 Email talk at WDYM.com uh, Talking about uh, Oh, earlier in the program we talked a little bit about this thing with Bismarck State College and the, the Saudi Arabian Institute I, I was a little floored by Bismarck State President Larry Skogan's comments about uh, Oh, it's uh, oppressing women in Saudi Arabia, that's just their religious moray. It's just their social moray. Uh, that doesn't mean we have to tolerate it. That doesn't mean we have to, like, work with them. Um, so, I, anyway, that frustrated me a little bit. Uh, emailer says, Hillary must have confused the United States with her friends in Saudi Arabia when she talked about women voting at the direction of the men in their lives. Yeah, I mean, I guess that is a thing she said. And that is literally true in Saudi Arabia. Like, women have legal guardians, which are men uh who kind of tell them what to do which is not good um anyway i i just i i don't know i i need to learn more about that what do you think of that whole situation to i mean the idea of a of a one gender only institute to me is not inherently a bad thing because again we have them here in the united states for both men and women mostly women but some men some institutions for men too that on its own, but in the context of how Saudi Arabia treats women overall, that to me where is where it becomes a problem. Well, and it's it's one thing to have available institutions that are directed at one gender or the other, or directed at one at a specific race. Like if you if it only deals with African American men, for example, or what have you. When there are other choices available, like yeah. I as a white American woman can choose to go to an all-women institute, or I can choose to go to a co-ed institute. Right. Yeah. Women in Saudi Arabia don't have that choice. It's not just that we're we're establishing a relationship with an all-male Saudi Arabian institution. It's that 
all institutions in Saudi Arabia are all male because only men are allowed to get that level of education. Well, actually, that's not true. Actually, I'm going to blow your mind here. <gasps> there are 300 colleges in Saudi Arabia that are that are for only women. And are there really? Re- in recent years, there are actually more women graduating from college in Saudi Arabia than men. That is actually that I did not know that. They have been making some progress. Now, again, I think we need to put that in context. I suspect the sexes are segregated for religious reasons. Yes. Right? I, I think the, the reason why there's probably so many female colleges is because they don't want the women in with the men. Um, and so now that becomes less a choice than segregation, right? Like, like I don't, I don't have a problem with, like, we, we have, for instance, um, one of the male-only institutions is, um, I think it's, now I'm forgetting the name. It's based in Georgia, but it historically served African-American men. I don't really have a problem with that because there's plenty of other choices for that, that, that take all races and all genders, and that's fine. I think where it becomes segregation is where that's the only choice. If you have this skin color, you must go to one of these schools. I suspect that's kind of what's going on in Saudi Arabia is they're just not giving the women the same level of access. But, yeah, there are more women graduating from colleges than men these days. But I think you have to put that in the context of that country's overall oppression of women, which is horrendous and longstanding, despite, you know, even even recent advances to the contrary. But in that um, case, then, then you do end up sort of walking a a bit of a tightrope because you don't want to completely cut off the country. You don't want to cut off relations with Saudi Arabia as they are starting to to make these changes and yeah. make this progress that has that has yeah. needed to happen for a long time. I'm not saying I'm not saying I'm against the Bismarck State contract per se. I think I need to learn more. My problem was with the Bismarck State president's thing, where it's just kind of well, that's just how they do things in Saudi Arabia. Well, that's a problematic statement to me. I mean, that that drives me a little nuts. And I I agree. I agree with you there. It's one thing to accept the culture of another country. It's and it's another thing entirely to endorse that particular worldview. Right. And he just he just I mean, it's it's almost like he was just accepting it like, you know, I I like it like it's just some custom like, no, this this goes beyond like a religious custom. Yeah, well, it's, it's like it's like accepting the caste system in India. Yeah, that's a really this, horrible thing. Right now, now, and again, lots of countries that we, tra- I mean, China, uh, Saudi Arabia, uh, India, like you mentioned, we have a lot of trade. We have, you know, diplomatic relations with these countries to one level or another. Uh, we do that, and I, I think that that's what we have to do. I, I think one of the great ways that the United States of America can help can uplift the world is. By having those diplomatic relations and trading them. I, I think the more the American way of life, I think, is wonderful. Um, the capitalistic society, the pluralistic society is, is a wonderful thing. And I think the more other places are exposed to that, then the better that they're going to become. But the thing is, is that so that means we got to keep the doors open and we got to do business with them. But also, I think while we're doing that, we don't necessarily have to tolerate what's wrong with their countries. So I, I don't know. It's a complicated thing. I wrote about it at sayanythingblog.com. Check it out. Rundown coming up next. Don't go away. The girl I knew from 1990. Eliza Hazel. Her name is Mabel. I kissed the Rob Report. The Rob Report. On 970 WDAY. The Rundown. All right, Natil, what's out there? 
Roseanne stars Sandra Bernard says women who support Trump are unable to think for themselves in a recent interview on MSNBC. Yeah, well, (laughs) yesterday we were talking about the Roseanne show. You were so excited about how good it was going to be for Trump supporters. I mean, well, this, well, still, I think, well, and by the way, I still haven't seen it. I'm just reacting to the responses to it. I haven't had time to to queue up the first episode. Um, But it does sound good. And and I don't think that this changes that. I mean, these are her personal opinions. Um, Trust me, conservatives are used to actors uh, uh, not liking conservatives that much and thinking that we're stupid and everything else. Um, I I do think the show is refreshing because I'm hoping that it's going to be a a consistently positive portrayal of a right of center character. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think that's something that's very much missing. By the way, did you see the where the I mean, the fact that it got huge ratings has made news. Did you see where it got ratings, though? No. Okay, so so the two largest media markets in the United States are New York and L.A. Yes. Right? Well, yeah, they're so the this, two largest metropolitan areas in the states. Right. Two, two huge, huge media markets. So usually, in order to, to get good ratings, you got to do good in New York, you got to do good in L.A., mm-hmm. right? Uh, New York was not, the number one media market in America was not in the top 20 markets for Roseanne. Oh, really? L.A. wasn't even in the top 30. The number one market was Tulsa, Oklahoma. That's actually very interesting and speaks to the market that is looking to watch it. Well, well, speaks to a market that's maybe being underserved. Quite possibly. Speaks to a big market out there that might be willing to tune in if, if, if you give them something to tune in for. Well, and if, if the numbers stay consistent for the Roseanne well, we'll reboot see. in right. those markets, then it's yeah, one episode. absolutely. Right. You're right. A- absolutely. Caveat on that. It's it's one one episode. We'll, we'll see what happens from here. But at least in the early going, uh, you know, a, a very long I, I think it I think it indicates something that I believe to be true, which is that there's a very large market out there of, of right of center people, conservative people who are underserved by the media. I, I think. And I think we see examples of it everywhere. I think I think a big key to, to Fox News's sustained success as a cable news outlet is they gave right of center people something that they weren't getting anywhere else, which was a, a right of center point of view on the news of the day. Now, of late, Fox News has gone over. All of cable television has gone overboard. I can't stand to watch any of it, but. I think that's why they're successful. A conservative talk radio, I think, a lot of times is successful because, again, it was an alternative to what people were getting from the traditional, the, the, quote, the quote unquote mainstream media, which has become. It's funny to me when I hear people on a cable news show that has millions of viewers talk about rant about the mainstream media. You are the mainstream media at this point. But... Dear Fox News, you're the mainstream media. Well, also, I hear people on like MSNBC, CNN, they all say it now. And it's just it's just a dumb term. But you know what? You understand what I'm saying? <laughs> I do. Yes. Um. So anyway, I, I mean, there's a market out there for conservatives that aren't which I think speaks to the fact that. The media and entertainment industry is is it's a little too lopsided and they could find success. I think if they came back a little bit more to the, the center, it'll be interesting to see how the numbers fare out for for this show as the season progresses. As for what this lady's saying, I, it's just so it's just so insulting. I mean, there were millions of women, literally millions of women who voted for Donald Trump and to suggest that they're all stupid or that they were all just in the thrall of, of their husbands or fathers or sons or whoever uh, is, is insulting to those women. Um, I, I have a lot of women in my life who voted for Donald Trump. 
uh, and they're independent-minded, smart women. In fact, I think I've told this story a number of times. It surprised me how many women in my life voted for Donald Trump. I didn't expect them to. People vote certain ways for a lot of reasons, and just because a politician says or does something that a, that a person doesn't agree with, doesn't necessarily exclude them from voting for that person when they take all of the other factors in the race into account. Yeah. So, again, you know, I I think the show overall is going to be interesting to watch. I'm looking forward to finally seeing my first episode. I hope what it's going to be is something different, which is a positive portrayal of a right-of-center character or characters uh, and, and, and interesting. I think it could do this country a lot of good. And it's too bad that this actress felt the need to say that because I think that's insulting and unfortunate and, and not at all true. I, I, I think, I think the, the most consistent mistake made in politics is assuming that people disagree with you because they're stupid. I think once you've made that assumption, you're, you're going to end up losing the argument because usually people who disagree with you, uh, e- even to the point you never have to acknowledge that they're right, maybe they're not right. But a lot of times they do arrive at those positions, you know, through honest effort. You know, they're there. They they arrived there honestly. And I try to feel that way about people on the left all the time. I disagree with them on a lot of stuff. But I'm not going to assume you're stupid or that you have some nefarious purpose for arriving at your opinions. I don't think you're a bad person, Natil. I'm glad. Just... Just wrong most of the time. No, that's, that's fine. <laughs> you know what? Let's I'm let's kidding. move on. Next. Yeah. Walmart is set to remove Cosmopolitan from its checkout aisles. Why? Uh, the Other than the fact that Cosmo never seems to have. I, my, only, <laughs> my only interaction with Cosmopolitan is literally in the grocery store checkout line. I used to subscribe to Cosmo. And it's the same. It, uh, judging by the cover, it's like the same half dozen articles every month. Yeah, basically, after two years of subscription, I realized as a young, almost adult, new adult, that it was the same stuff. I don't know if I can talk about some of the stuff that they're giving you tips about. I don't. Uh, I don't. I think uh, think you and I might have some HR issues if if that were to be something we're going to talk about. But what I'm going to say. Some (laughs) self-gratification techniques. The National Center. There's only so many ways to do that. Like, there's only, I mean, you, you can't run a tip. Like like an article about tips on how to do that. There's only so many ways to do it. Rob, I'm trying to keep this as highbrow as possible. Let me talk here. The National Center on Sexual Exploitation recently came out with a statement that uh, basically compared Cosmopolitan to Playboy, um, calling it a hypersexualized magazine, especially in cover and content. And Walmart said on Tuesday that it will be subsequently removing the magazine from checkout lines at 5,000 stores across the country. Now, they haven't said that it was it, that the decision was made entirely in uh, direct response to this report put out by the National Center on Sexual Exploitation. And when I first heard about this story, I actually was a little bit upset with Walmart. I was like, you know, for what, what some people may see as exploitation in this particular magazine, other women would, would see as empowerment. And I got a little bit fussed at Walmart because I was annoyed that they were taking right. this stance on something that could be seen as empowering for women. Taking it seems agency. a little moralistic. Yeah, seems a little moralistic. Yeah, it, yeah, and it, it seemed like something that you know a woman taking agency over her body in a sexual way is is fine. That's up to that woman. Right. Realistically, Cosmopolitan physical magazine sales have tanked 
in the last five years. In 2012, I think it's mostly. Were, I mean, if, if I were Walmart, I wouldn't even talk about the other stuff. It's a business decision, and and that's exactly we're not it. selling in, many in like the last five years. And I, I actually got these figures from. I would watch the Philip DeFranco show this morning. Um, he mentioned that in 2012, Cosmopolitan was pushing in single issue sales somewhere in the 500,000 mark. And by 2017, it was down to like 120,000. Interesting. So it's just, it's plummeting. Yeah. And well, that's, I mean, that's, I mean, print media in general has struggled, but exactly. um, And so in this instance, Walmart's making a smart business decision to put something else that's more likely to turn a sale in the cosmopolitan spot. It's interesting that you, it's interesting that they like, like in terms of the sexualization or whatever, it gets compared to Playboy. Both magazines, by the way, featuring women. Yes. For the most part. I mean, you look at the cover. I, I don't. Are there ever men on the cover of Cosmo? Uh, sometimes, but they're usually like beefcake. Right. But usually it's women. Like, so both magazines, like the hypersexualization of uh, women. Yeah. Kind of, it, kind of interesting, but but yet yet serving one male demographic, one a female demographic. Yep, so. and they they definitely serve different. I have a feeling there's one thing you can count on Walmart for, and that's sort of a, a ruthless adherence to moving product. Uh, I have a feeling that if Cosmo sales were still doing good, uh, they'd still be selling Cosmo. I agree with you. Because there's one thing I think you can count Walmart likes making money. Yes, sir, they do. All right, what's next? The Parkland shooting suspect, Nicholas Cruz, has fans, and they're sending him letters and money in jail. Yeah, and, and you know what? This isn't unique to this guy either. No, it's not a like surprise hear, at all. Like Charlie Charlie Manson got married or something in jail, didn't he? Yeah, uh, serial killers develop cult fandoms. Uh, mur- and, and maybe, murderers maybe, in general will de- will just attract. I, I'm going to go out I was, on a limb here. I'm going to provide my opinion. These types of men attract damaged women from outside the prison system. Why so many of them? Like, why? I, I mean, I, I get there are damaged people in the world who do weird stuff, but why Why so many? Because it seems like just about every notorious criminal that you could think of has groupies. Haven't for, you ever heard that, that girls like a bad boy? Okay, and it's like, I, I know, but it's it's that to the extreme is what oh. this is, and it's awful and it's horrible, and I hate to think that there are people out there like this, but there are, and there's a lot of them. I don't know if this makes me a complete sexist too, by the way, but I was watching a documentary about Charles Manson, and they had the the gal, and I think I think when the documentary was made, he was they were gonna get married or whatever, but she like ran his website. Um, you know, he would like handwrite stuff and then she'd put it on, I, Charlie Man had a, like a blog, I guess for a while. Uh, and she would like type it up and like, she was just devoted to this guy. Also pretty good looking. Right. And, and I don't know if that makes me look, but I, I just expect somebody like that. Who's, who's at the point where you're in love with somebody who's in jail as a mass serial killer. I kind of expect that person to look like a troll. <laughs> like maybe that's just terrible, but I, I just like, you, you can't find there's got to be a nice guy out there who's driving a cab or working a cash register or something. Be a nice guy for you. Who's not a mass serial killer weirdo with a swastika tattooed on his forehead. Yeah, the, the whole thing is is weird, and it's a microcosm of humanity that I have not spent a lot of time exploring, but that I know exists, and I it makes me a little sick to my stomach <sighs> that it exists. Yeah. It's just gross. All right, what's next? We're going to finish up with Hillary Clinton is back in New Jersey today for a sold-out event at Rutgers. 
She's going to be paid $25,000, and I don't care. Uh, but it's that's down, though, isn't it? Like, that's way down from what she was commanding previously. Oh, yeah, but she's not a presidential candidate anymore, and she sure as heck isn't going to oh, run but even in before, 2020. Even before, I... I wouldn't rule that out. She is not going to run in. Well, she could. She could run. I guess she could run for the. I don't uh, know that the, she'll be the nominee. She will but I would not, not be the nominee in twenty twenty. I would never ever underestimate the hubris, and and uh, just raw appetite for power that the Clintons have. She will specifically. N- she will totally Hillary not Clinton. be the nominee, though. I will. I will go out and say that right now. Maybe not. Maybe not. But I'll bet she runs again. Or, or at least floats some troubles. As for this, I mean, she commanded even even before she was a presidential. But but I guess she still had the potential to be president. Maybe that's why she command. But she's she ain't getting paid like she used to. No, that's for sure. All right, let's wrap it up. <laughs> You're listening to AM 970 WDAY 93.1 FM. This is the Rob Report, and that's the rundown. segment jay thomas show straight ahead stay tuned for that uh 701-293-9000 888-970-9329 email talk at wday.com tweet me at rob port few minutes left if you want to get in the program a couple of emails mark uh sends in it's funny that conservatives are expected to accept that most tv shows lean left and display their liberal bias in every episode but heaven forbid there be one show that leans right uh, and the left is losing their minds over it. Now, are the left losing their minds over it, though, too? No, the left loves Roseanne. Yeah, I don't know. I, yeah, I, I don't know that the left is necessarily losing. I think, if anything, maybe it's just surprising more than anything else. Yes, I that think it it's, did this well. it's surprising that it's doing this well because it is different. But I don't think that anyone on the left is losing their mind over it. And, you know, I... I it is, I'm I mean, starting... I, I will tell you, I, it is frustrating as a conservative that there are so few mainstream celebrities, authors, filmmakers, actors, or whatever. There are just, there are, just, there are some. I but know, but they're... you know, I, I'm going to, I'm starting to take a little bit of offense to that. To this whole point, this whole idea that, oh, we on the left have, just have to have had to learn to accept. Or we on the right have had to learn to accept. Well, we have. That, well, and so what I'm saying is... Get off your heels and do something about it. If yeah. if people on the right really hate that all of the movies, all of the TV shows, everything is too liberal, then you got to go out there and produce all something. Right. Well, here's here, here's here's a little story to that end from my personal biography. Um, one of the reasons why I got interested in blogging and and doing talk radio and, and being in the media was because. I saw so few conservatives doing it. Um, I wanted to have an I wanted to have an impact. I wanted to, to to do interviews and to dig up facts and to do reporting and, and stuff like that. That I, from a right of center point of view, because I thought it was so overwhelmingly. So that was me doing exactly what you said. Do something about it. Well, here I am. And good on you. But I I, I do hear a lot. Like you you point you've said the the point about the media in general, at least like Hollywood media being very left of center. And right. I hear that from more than just you. I hear that from a lot of conservative people. And I feel like if if there if you want that to change, 
you've got to make the change because people in Hollywood that are liberal, that are left leaning, aren't going to go out of their way to produce yeah. something for an the, audience the problem, that they don't believe in. The, the problem with doing it is, is if you set out to do that, well, then you're going to ghettoize yourself because now you're not. It's not just a movie that you're producing. It's a conservative movie. Right. And once you've it, it's like it's like when a band gets labeled like Christian rock. Right. It's the kiss of death, because now it's not just music. It's religious music. And that puts it in a different category and it ghettoizes it fairly or unfairly. It might be great music, but it well, sort so of ghettoizes it. Don't go out of your way to call yourself a conservative movie producer. My, my own my, my, producing yeah. movies that have a more conservative and I bend. Think, I think we are starting to see some of that. Like we see some like some of the work Bruce Willis is doing, some of the work Mel Gibson's doing, stuff like that. Um you know, these are conservative people, and I, I just – we need more of it. There's a market for it out there. You can make money doing this, and we ought to do more, and I hope they do more. Another emailer, uh, Roland, says, uh, my wife and I are both conservative. I was not a supporter of Trump or Burgum in the last election, and in spite of several discussions, uh, she voted for both. That actor's comment is offensive to all women. I think she's mad that all women don't follow the narrative espoused by her and her ilk. Uh, talking about the uh, the uh, actor from Roseanne who was saying that, that women voted for Trump because – you know, I, I guess they're dumb or can't make their own decisions. I, I agree. But unfortunately, I think that's identity politics. I think when you play the identity politics game, there's a there's a there's a feeling that you should have to vote a certain way because of your skin color, because of your gender, et cetera. And that's to me, that's just offensive. That's just offensive. Um, let's see. Mark emails. Natil, I challenge you to go read the Roseanne hashtag on Twitter. There are a lot of liberals that are losing their minds over this. Maybe not in your direct circle, but many are. Well, I'm sure there are. I mean, there's people losing their on social media. There's people social losing media their outrage over. is just a thing. There's somebody losing their mind on social media about. If you want to find outrage about something on social media, you can find it, no matter what. Uh, that's it for me, Jay Thomas Show. Straight ahead, you can always catch me here, 12 to 2 p.m. Monday through Friday, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. It's anything. Blog.com, North Dakota's most popular political blog. Thanks for listening. We'll talk again.